Hey, when you have health insurance, it's easy to forget about those out-of-pocket costs. Now, that could be a lot of money, but are your medical bills accurate? Now, it's estimated that over 50% of medical bills actually contain errors. Now, HealthLock can help. HealthLock technology securely connects with your insurance and flags any overbilling, wrong codes, or fraud. Now, you can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. Now, to date, HealthLock has helped its members save over $130 million. Check them out online, healthlock.com. Go there today. 185 Americans abandoned, left behind, 198 days after Joe Biden said he wouldn't do such a thing. Stabbed him in the back. He's turned the page. The country, the media mob, they've turned the page. And here we are, the only ones still thinking about our fellow Americans trapped behind enemy lines in the Islamic Emirates of Afghanistan. Um, we've got a lot to get to today. Uh, what I'm beginning to realize is people are not fully understanding uh, what is what the facts are as it relates to the factual background portion of the motion that was filed Friday, late Friday, by John Durham. Um, by the way, Sussman's legal team has responded with a six-page response. I'll give you the update on that in just a second here. And and what spying is and what spying isn't and, you know, how you can conflate, for example, what happened with the dirty dossier and what's happened and what is being alleged by Durham in this case and why this filing was put in place in the first place. And and I think where this is ultimately headed is is anybody's guess. My guess is it's it's going to bring a lot more people in. And I'm saying that. You know, because John Ratcliffe basically said Joe Biden was told by John Brennan that Hillary was spying on Trump. And, you know, Fox News, Real Clear Politics, you know, both covered it and that Biden may have known a lot. And it's going to come down a lot to what did they know and when did they know it? Sussman is is kind of a little low on the totem pole, relatively speaking, in terms of all of this. You know, what we do know and is incontrovertible and the evidence is overwhelming is we do know the following. We do know that Hillary Clinton, and we believe it was to distract from the email scandal where she deleted 33,000 emails and used bleach bit. You know, was that, did you, did you wipe your server clean? You, you mean like with a cloth? You mean what, like, is that what you mean? No, that's not what people were talking about or bleach bit or hammers smashing devices one after another, or SIM cards just happen to be removed, which renders the phone that you're handing over to law enforcement meaningless. And if any of us did any of these things, we would be in big trouble. Um, so you have, the, you have on the one hand, you have what we know, and that is that the Clinton campaign and monies from the De Democratic National Committee, of which really Hillary was controlling at the time, funneling money to a law firm that law firm is known as perkins cooey perkins cooey then hires an outside firm that's fusion gps fusion gps hires former mi6 uh agent uh christopher Steele. uh interestingly then then this brings us to the whole fisa court scandal which we have still not gotten the people responsible for it turns out that Steele puts together a series of documents. Those documents later become what's known as the Steele dossier, or what I call as 
the Hillary Clinton bought and paid for Russian disinformation dossier because it's been totally debunked. And as early as August of 2016, even Bruce Orr said, you can't rely on it. It's not verified. But that didn't stop the FBI, the upper echelon, not the 1%, not the 99%. I always made that distinction then. I'll make it again now. Uh, but the upper 1%, the ones that signed the dossier, for example, James Comey signed three of the FISA applications. At the top of a FISA warrant application, the word verified is on it. We've played many times on this program Rod Rosenstein's statement that, you know, a FISA application like a warrant is, you know, you're, you're signing your name and it means that you've come to discover that it's factual and true. And if you're wrong, there are deep consequences, et cetera. But we won't go down that road. So what happened is, as Andrew McCabe, the deputy FBI director, had said, if there wasn't the dossier, there wouldn't have been a, a FISA warrant issued. They needed the FISA they needed the dirty dossier to do it. The dossier was paid for by Hillary Clinton. All of this information was, we now know, unverifiable, and all the information in the dirty dossier has been debunked. But it was presented to the FISA court just prior to the election in 2016, and that gave the FBI then a back door because, again, it was targeted at Carter Page, to also get into all things Trump and Trump world and Trump campaign world. That's where the nefarious part of this is. Now, as soon as, as early as December, as you're heading into the time where they're going to once again present the dossier to the FISA court to get a FISA renewal, the three separate renewals and the original FISA application, there were four warrants altogether, which covered a a calendar year of, of one full year from October to October, October of uh, 2016 to October of 2017. Um, they know at that time from Christopher Steele, and then later in very early January, through Christopher Steele's main source, subsource as they call them, that in fact the information was not verified, that none of it was true, and it was characterized as bar talk. But that didn't stop the FBI, the 1%, from continuing to use that dirty Hillary Clinton bought and paid for dossier to backdoor spy on all things then President Trump. So they spied on candidate Trump, they spied on transition team Trump, and they spied on President Trump. And all of which is a little separate and a little apart from what this other story is is all about here. Um. Now, the only way to really understand it is, and I don't know why it's taken John Durham this long. I can't get inside his head. Um, but anyway, he now has charged this guy by the name of, of Michael Sussman. And Michael Sussman was an attorney with Perkins Coie. Okay, Michael Sussman lied to the FBI. That's what the charge is. And as part of the court's mandate, they they detail what where the federal government is going in terms of the evidence that they're going to be presenting uh, assuming that this case goes to trial one portion of the special counsel's report uh, was the special counsel's factual background portion of a motion which if granted would merely mean that the court would treat it as if those sections of the motion were not filed with the court etc cetera, etc cetera. that's what Sussman is looking to get it banned and separated from now, the exact words of Durham 
which has heightened the awareness of everybody, is in the court filing as it relates to the Sussman case. Durham wrote that he has evidence that Sussman's other client, Technology Executive One, they often redact names of specific people and companies, etc., that they exploited internet traffic data on one, a particular healthcare provider, on two, Trump Tower, on three, Donald Trump Central Park West apartment building, on four, the executive office of the President of the United States. Technology Executive One, previously reported by fake news CNN to be a, a former now star senior vice president by the name of Rodney Jaffe. I don't know how to pronounce his name. While the healthcare provider was likely Spectrum Health, according to the Washington Examiner. And Durham then reportedly wrote the Internet company one accessed dedicated servers for the executive office of the president as part of a sensitive arrangement whereby it provided DNS resolution services to the executive office of the president. Now, what does this all mean? And then it further goes on to say tech executive one and his associates exploited this arrangement by mining the executive office of the president, DNS traffic, other data for the purpose of gathering derogatory information about Donald Trump, according to the filing. Now, some people in the media, that's not spying. Well, what what they're really saying here is not necessarily that they got into the server. And I'm understanding this and studying this and talk. I'm the least technical person in the world. So I really want to understand this and get this right. So I've been talking to a lot of people. And so but it does mean that they are able to examine, take out information unbeknownst to people that, for example, IP addresses where they're looking without going deep into the server, which in and of itself would be without a warrant illegal according to my understanding of the law. Anyway, so following the Durham revelation, Mark Meadows tweeted out that they didn't just spy on the Trump campaign. They started, they spied on Donald Trump as a sitting president. It was it was all even worse than what we thought. And then this goes to my analogy that this is worse than Watergate, and I stand by that today. And in the case of Watergate, what do we have? Oh, let's see, 69 people indicted, 48 people convicted, Richard Nixon resigning in disgrace. You know, there's there's all, you know, electronic monitoring is the same exact thing. So you had all these different ways and the purpose of which was to create a false narrative that Donald Trump had a relationship with Russia that he didn't have. And that's that's the insidious side of all of this. Now, the charge to Sussman is that he made a false statement to a federal agent for failing to disclose his clients and the fact that. One of his clients was Hillary Clinton's 2016 presidential campaign uh, when the FBI offered information that he had demonstrated a secret channel between the Trump organization and a, and a Kremlin allied bank called Alpha Bank, which we had discussed in the past. He's pled not guilty. Now, Durham's filing described a pretty startling arrangement involving the tech executives, Sussman and others, he says, to assemble details about dubious Trump-Russia ties, quote, in connection with these efforts, Tech Executive One exploited 
Well, some people say, well, you didn't use the right word. The people were saying the word that wasn't in there. Okay, it wasn't infiltrated. It was exploited. To me, not really a hell, hell of a distinction. But anyway, but that they exploited his access to a non-public and or proprietary Internet data, the filing reads, and Tech Executive One enlisted the assistance of researchers at a U.S.-based university, we now know in Georgia, who are receiving and analyzing large amounts of Internet data in connection with a pending federal government cybersecurity research contract. In other words, using it beyond what the authorized use would be for. Tech Executive One tasked these researchers to mine Internet data to establish, quote, an inference and a narrative tying then-candidate Trump to Russia. Remember, Hillary's paying for all this. Durham reportedly adds, in doing so, Tech Executive One indicated that he was seeking to please certain VIPs, referring to individuals at Law Firm One and the Clinton campaign. Um, now, there was a filing today by Sussman, a six-page, well, late yesterday, a six-page response, which is interesting, but as the Federalist points out, they might have made the dumbest move they ever could make, and they may regret this strategy of filing this notion, and I'll get to that on the other side, just so you have it explained. So all of this is happening, and this can't happen in this country. That's why, to me, it's well far worse than Watergate. When you put all this together, it is, it is, it is so nefarious, so diabolical, so un-American to be in, involved in, in this level of, you know, you know, lying to a fight. If any of you ever lied to a court, good luck to you. Because you're not getting out of jail for a long time. Once again, Pure Talk, my sponsor and my wireless company, they're investing in their customers out of their own pocket without charging an extra penny. And I'm really happy to announce that Pure Talk is now providing international roaming to over 50 countries. That's right. As you plan your summer travel, make sure that your wireless provider has you covered at home and abroad. Pure Talk already puts you on America's most dependable 5G network, and now they're giving you coverage in over 50 countries as well. You get unlimited talk and text and plenty of 5G data for just 20 bucks a month. That's less than half the price of the big carriers, Verizon, AT&T, and T-Mobile for the exact same service. Now bring your phone or get great savings on the latest iPhones and Androids. Just go to puretalk.com slash Sean, S-E-A-N. Make the switch today. That's puretalk.com slash Sean. Do it now. You save an additional 50% off your first month. Make the switch to Pure Talk so you can afford to travel this summer. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. Media mob. The, the conservative media is saying that Durham filing used the word infiltrate. No, they didn't. They're, they're, the New York Times is 100% right. 
And what they did is is they used a very different word, which is exploited. Okay, infiltrate, exploited. But the bottom line is they're they're taking data as described in the filing that it described a startling arrangement involving the tech executive and Sussman and others to assemble details about dubious Trump Russia ties. And in quote, in connection with these efforts, tech executive one exploited his access to non-public proprietary private Internet data. The filing goes on. Tech executive one enlisted also enlisted the assistance of researchers at a U.S. based university receiving and analyzing large amounts of Internet data in connection with a pending federal government cybersecurity research contract. Now, does it really matter if you if you're using information that is private and personal and using it for those reasons that Durham is describing, how is that any different from exploiting, to use those words, and and taking information that doesn't belong to you and you're getting paid for, the allegation is that he's getting paid for by the Clinton campaign. Tech Executive One tasked the researchers to mine Internet data to establish an inference and narrative tying then-candidate Trump to Russia, Durham reported. And in doing so, Tech Executive One indicated that he was seeking to please certain VIPs, referring to individuals at Law Firm One and the Clinton campaign. Now, Sussman has responded. We'll give you that response on the other side so you can understand it completely. Straight ahead. At 25 till the top of the hour, uh, you know, Joe Biden is speaking and it is it is embarrassing. It is so humiliating. It it, it looks like he's, ah, I'm, I'm so tired. I need a nap. I don't know why I'm doing. Why did they send me out here to do this? This is Biden from earlier today telling a story about putting a dead dog on a random woman's doorstep. Just, just listen to this. I got a call one night. A woman said to me, obviously not of the same persuasion as I was politically, called me and said, there's a dead dog on my lawn. And I said, yes, ma'am. I said, have you called the county? He said, yes, they're not here. And I said, well, I'll get them in the morning. She said, I want it removed now. I pay your salary. <laughs> so I went over picked it up. She said, I want it out of my front yard. I put it on her doorstep. Whatever the hell that means. Let me play a couple of minutes. I'll tell you what's so embarrassing here. He looks, I mean, half unconscious and I'm watching him and so exhausted. And all he talks about diplomacy, please. It's just, you know, we're prepared to do whatever. We're ready for everything. But, you know, Putin even said that they pull back troops and everything. And you know what Vladimir Putin is doing? He's rolling over the West. He he is he puts his troops on the border. He doesn't give a damn what anybody thinks. And either he's going to go into uh, Ukraine or he's not going to go into Ukraine. And if he doesn't go into Ukraine, he's going to extract or extort would be more likely to my where I grew up. Uh, so many concessions from the West. It'll make the Iranian deal. Look like a horrible deal for the mullahs with, you know, of course, cargo planes full of cash and other currencies. I, I, I can't take much of it, but I'll just play the essence of it because he keeps he keeps repeating over and over again. Diplomacy, diplomacy. We're trying to continue diplomacy. 
but we are prepared for whatever happens. But he's not going to fight Russia militarily. He's even said so. Then he's telling Americans to leave. I'll, let me just play a couple of minutes and see if you hear what I hear. Yeah, I'd like to provide an update on the crisis involving Russia and Ukraine. From the beginning of this crisis, I have been absolutely clear and consistent. The United States is prepared no matter what happens. We are ready with diplomacy, to be engaged in diplomacy with Russia and our allies and partners to improve stability and security in Europe as a whole. And we are ready to respond decisively to Russian attack on Ukraine, which is still very much a possibility. Though all the events of the last few weeks and months, this has been our approach, and it remains our approach now. So today I want to speak to the American people about the situation on the ground, the steps we've taken, the actions we're prepared to take, and what's at stake for us and the world, and how this may impact on us here at home. For weeks now, <clears throat> together with our allies and partners, my administration has engaged in nonstop diplomacy. This weekend, I spoke again with President Putin to make clear that we are ready to keep pursuing high-level diplomacy, to reach written understandings among Russia, the United States, and the nations of Europe to address legitimate security concerns, if that's his wish. Theirs, security concerns, and ours. President Putin and I agreed that our team should continue to engage toward this end, along with our European allies and partners. Yesterday, the Russian government publicly proposed to continue the diplomacy. I agree. We should give the diplomacy every chance to succeed. And I believe there are real ways to address our respective security concerns. The United States has put on the table concrete ideas to establish a security environment in Europe. We're proposing new arms control measures, new transparency measures, new strategic stability measures. These measures would apply to all parties, NATO and Russia alike. We're willing to make practical result-oriented steps that can advance our common security. We will not sacrifice basic principles, though. Nations have a right to sovereignty and territorial integrity. They have the freedom to set their own course and choose with whom they will associate. But that still leaves plenty of room for diplomacy and for de-escalation. That's the best way forward for all parties, in our view. We'll continue our diplomatic efforts in close consultation with our allies and our partners. As long as there is hope of diplomatic resolution that prevents the use of force and avoids incredible human suffering that would follow, we will pursue it. The Russian Defense Minister reported today that some military units are leaving their positions near Ukraine. That would be good. But we have not yet verified that. We have not yet verified the Russian military units are returning to their home bases. Indeed, our analysts indicate that they remain very much in a threatening position. And the fact remains, right now, Russia has more than 150,000 troops encircling Ukraine right, let me, and Belarus. Let me jump in here because this becomes one big circular bit of repetition from this guy. Let me tell you his first mistake. Once Russia puts 150,000 troops and all the arms that they have on the border with Ukraine, that is not a moment for diplomacy or negotiation because all of the leverage 
is in the hands of this hostile actor, the head of this hostile regime, Putin and Russia. So in other words, they basically are saying, well, okay, we're going to go in. We're indicating we're going to go in. Uh, What are you going to give us not to go in? You don't negotiate. You know, it's like you're taken hostage here. He's holding the threat of an invasion of a sovereign country. He's done speaking, by the way. He's holding the 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 safety and security and sovereignty of one country in his hands and saying, well, either you guys give me a whole lot of what I want or I'm just going to invade this country and take over. Just like just like Joe was saying, uh, we have all the leverage with the Islamic Emirates and, and the Taliban of Afghanistan and the Taliban. They had no leverage at all whatsoever. We'll never abandon an American. 13 days later, he abandoned Americans. He has right. This is not the time to negotiate. This is not the time for diplomacy. This is the time to send a message. Get out of Ukraine. Stay out of Ukraine. Pull back your troops and then we'll negotiate. From a position of strength right now, the world. Oh, gosh, Vladimir is going to invade. We better we better sit down with him. Well, who's going to win those negotiations? Because you have no leverage. Joe Biden and the our Western European, they're not going to they're not going to fight Russia. Putin has the ability to walk right through Ukraine and take over the whole country. And I guarantee you he doesn't give a darn or damn what the rest of the world thinks or what they're going to do in terms of economic sanctions, because he's going to gain a whole lot more by taking over an innocent country, a sovereign country. So you're negotiating from a position of of weakness and you Putin is is negotiating from a position of strength. And we got he's now he's got the world begging him, please, let's talk. We need to talk. What, what do you need to not go into Ukraine? What would you like? That's what it sounds like to me. All right, let me go back to this Durham filing, um, especially on the factual background of all this. It was interesting. Late yesterday, Sussman filed a response to Durham's late Friday court filing. And it was only six pages. It was filed in D.C. federal court. Uh, by Sussman's lawyers. Remember, he worked for Perkins Coie. We went through in the last half hour, if you missed it, everything that John Durham put in his uh, factual finding background part of the uh, of of his filing to the court in terms of the evidence that he's going to bring forward. Anyway, so in this, you've got his attorneys informing the court they had previously advised the special counsel that Sussman understood his right to consult with independent counsel and intended to waive any potential conflicts of interest. Now, the judge brought this up as a means of of pointing out and getting on record that Sussman wouldn't use that as a as a means of appeal. That's separate and apart. Then they spent the next five pages complaining about the special counsel's filing, claiming it unnecessarily in- includes prejudicial, false allegations, things that are irrelevant to his motion and charged offense. These extra details, Sussman's argued, were plainly intended to politicize the case and flame media cover, taint the jury pool. In other words, the media has finally begun covering the special counsel's investigation, indictment, et cetera, et cetera. Now, again, it doesn't really matter, does it? This is separate and apart from Hillary Clinton's dirty Russian dossier that was used as the foundation to to get the FISA warrant approved by the court 
And yet, even though the FISA application process has to be verified, it was unverifiable, but they did it four separate times. And then they attacked the media in this case and Fox News and the New York Post and Washington Examiner and Breitbart and the Daily Mail and the Federalist, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but anyway, Sussman's in Sussman's estimation, his lawyers are arguing that Mr. Trump seized upon the special counsel's filings. They're mad at the fact that that Jim Jordan said and endorsed Donald Trump's position. Well, what are we supposed to do? The reality is this is what the special counsel is putting out publicly in terms of a filing of evidence that he's going to bring into a court of law. Of course, everybody's innocent until proven guilty. We're not rushing to judgment here. Everyone deserves their day in court. Um, But the motion revised the special counsel's decision to file a 27-page indictment for a single count, false statement, as well as Durham's filing of a discovery update. In the discovery update, Sussman charged Durham went out of his way to include uncharged inflammatory allegations, including what Sussman called the gratuitous claim that his office had an active ongoing criminal investigation of the defendant's conduct and other matters. Well, if that's what the update is, that's his update. And given that Durham had alerted Sussman in the discovery update, that his conduct remains under investigation by the special counsel's office. Uh, they're claiming it was foolhardy for the former Clinton attorney to complain that the indictment reads as though, you know, there was a vast conspiracy involving the Clinton campaign and Mr. Sussman. Now, this is where it gets interesting, because after highlighting the complaints, then Sussman is asking the court to strike the special counsel's factual background portion of its motion, which, if granted, would only mean that the court would treat it as if those sections of the motion were not filed with the court. Sussman, however, is likely hoping that his motion to strike prompts the judge to caution the special counsel's office in terms of extraneous details and future filings. All right. This is what I think the Federalists got right, my interpretation of it, because they're saying that he may regret this strategy in responding to Durham, because it now gives Durham an opportunity to respond to Sussman's complaints that the details are extraneous and to then respond to the counterpoints that Sussman included in his motion, which means we might get more information out of all this. The other point they make is that Sussman's filing will prompt even more coverage of Durham's various filings, whereas if he said nothing, you know, the complicit media mob out there that never got anything right in terms of what happened with the FISA court, nobody was held responsible for lying to the FISA court. They knew the information was false. But anyway, that the filings, you know, it's now it's now broadening out the coverage uh, that otherwise wouldn't have happened. And the third thing they point out is Durham's filings provided Sussman with a heads up on the special counsel strategy, probably intentionally so, hoping that Sussman might decide to cooperate, which happens all the time. In other words, Sussman's lawyers might be reading this saying, "Okay, if this is all true, maybe we should sit down with John Durham and tell him what we really know. And maybe we can cut a deal and keep your ass out of jail. That's how I interpret that anyway. But instead, they opted to file this motion to strike even with all of the dangers that they're now bringing upon themselves. But they did put out the filing. Um, So we're going to see where this ends up going here. But I will tell you this. As I as I examine all of this very, very closely and the exact words that are being used by Durham here, it is pretty damning. 
And I doubt that Durham would have filed such a such a uh, made such a factual background finding uh, had he not had evidence to back it up. Now, if in fact that this information, as he alleges that, you know, tech executive one had worked with the defendant, a U.S. investigative firm, law firm one. I believe that's probably Perkins Coie. I don't know for sure. But on behalf of the Clinton campaign, numerous cyber researchers hired employees at multiple Internet companies and had them assemble purported data and white papers in connection with these efforts, exploiting access to non-public and proprietary Internet data. Then those that enlisted the assistance of the researchers at a U.S.-based university were receiving and analyzing large amounts of Internet data in connection with a pending federal government cybersecurity research contract, that would be illegal. That, by every definition that I have, whether you're inside the server, which is not what they're alleging, or you're seeing where the server is looking and searching for the very purpose that, that Durham lays out, nefarious purposes to connect trump to russia uh all of that is a spying scam doesn't matter if you're spying on the actual server or where the computers in around that server are going to look and search uh that is proprietary information and that's not allowed anyway i hope that i hope that explains a little bit linda does that make sense to you of course it does. oh yeah uh, anyway, John Solomon and Sarah, Sarah Carter will join us, and we'll get to explain it in even more detail. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos' picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.